the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Maybe we pray at a meal or, or maybe we pray at bedtime, but we don't pray without ceasing. And then we wonder why we have all these consequences in our life. We wonder why things don't work out. Oh, to be people of prayer. Oh, that we understand that prayer is the Word of God. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. We believe there's power in prayer because we know that prayerlessness always has consequences because all of us have had moments of prayerlessness in our lives. Thirdly, I think we can learn that presumptuous presumption always gets us into trouble. Are you ever presumptuous? You, you think you know what God wants you to do, but you've not consulted him? That's what happened in the garden. Peter pulled out the wrong sword. When Jesus faced the devil himself, he didn't pull out a sword. He didn't zap him. What did Peter do? What did Jesus do? Jesus used the sword of the Spirit. He brought out the Scriptures. He quoted the Bible to him. See, Peter used the wrong sword. He presumed upon God. That's why it's important, by the way, that we memorize Scripture, that we learn the Scriptures. I'm so thankful my mom, who's here in the service today, that as a small child, she taught me the scriptures. She taught me the Bible. And even today, in moments of difficulty, I can call on those verses. So what happens next? Well, you know the story. They put Jesus to death. He dies on a cross. He's buried in a borrowed tomb. He's raised from the dead. But the disciples have gone on their way. Even after all the teaching, three years with Jesus, all those experiences, they did not get it. And so we see in John 21 exactly what Peter was doing. In the face of defeat, it says, Peter said to them, I am going fishing. That may seem like a nothing burger to you on the outset, but let me just tell you what that meant. Peter was saying, I'm going back to my old life. I'm going back to what I used to do. Enough of this God stuff. Enough of this following Jesus. It didn't work out the way I thought it would work out. And and some of you, you've done that. Others of you, maybe many more of you, man, you're on the edge of that. Is it worth it? sacrifice, stepping away from the pleasure of sin for a moment. Do I really want to follow Jesus or do I just want to do what I know? 
And Peter was an influencer. So it says in verse 3, they said to him, the other disciples, we'll go with you. And so they went out and they got the boat. And they caught nothing. (laughs) And isn't that a reminder that when we do things our way and in our own strength, it's not going to work out. I want you to understand something. Peter's life was not defined by that moment in the courtyard. But it was marked by the moment in the courtyard. Some of you have fallen in the mud. And you've let that define your life. You're thinking, God can't use me. Jesus doesn't love me. There's no... There's no place for me in his church. And instead of being marked by the difficult moment, you've been defined by that moment. I want you to change your thinking today. We get to choose. We can live in our moments of defeat or we can learn from my moments of defeat. I want to learn from those difficult times. I want to move forward. Well, look at what continues to happen. Just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet as the disciples did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to him, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said, cast your net on the right side of the boat. You'll find some. So they cast it. Now they're not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. And then that disciple whom Jesus loved, says John. (laughs) The disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and he threw himself into the sea. Now this is significant because this is different from the first time where Jesus was calling out to Peter while Peter was on the boat. The first time Jesus was walking on the sea and he said, come on Peter. Peter's like, no, 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 don't you understand that's water. And I don't know what you're doing, but I can't do that. And Jesus says, no, 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 look at me. He says, come to me, Peter. Peter begins to walk on the water. This time it's not like that. Jesus is on the shore and he says, hey, come on. What happens? Peter dives into the water. He says, just give me Jesus. So in one moment he says, I'm going back to fishing. I'm done with this. But then he sees Jesus for who Jesus is. And he just wants more Jesus. Verse 9, when they get out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it. And bread. Now, this is interesting for two reasons. What was on the fire? Fish. But they're not the fish that Peter and his buddies had caught because they're not on land yet. Just a reminder when God wants to do something for you, when Jesus wants to do something with you, you don't have to bring anything to the table. He'll give you everything you need. When He calls you, it's not about your ability, it's not about what you think you can do. He's equipping you, He's already given you everything you need to accomplish His purpose in your life. But that's not even the good part. What were the fish on? It was on the charcoal fire. You're only going to find that word one other time in Scripture. Two times in the Bible. The other time, I've already introduced you to. We just read it a few moments ago. Peter's standing by the charcoal fire, warming himself when he should have been warning himself. See what's beginning to happen? You see how Jesus is setting the stage? He's taking Peter back to the charcoal fire. 
I think God's brought you here today. I think some of you are under the sound of this message because God wants to take you back to that moment of denial, that place in the courtyard, that charcoal fire, so that he can show you he wants you to get up out of the mud, that he wants you to get onto the train, that he wants you to get to work, and that he's got big work for you to do. So Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter went on board and called, hauled the net ashore, and it's full of large fish, 153 of them. Although there were so many, the net was not torn. So they began to eat. And then look at this, verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, wait a second. Remember what happened at Caesarea Philippi? That's where Jesus said to Simon, who, who do you think I am? And he said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said, right. So from now on, I'm going to call you Peter. Simon meant little pebble. Peter meant the rock. Long before Dwayne Johnson was the rock, Peter was the rock. But here he calls him Simon. See, sometimes God has to remind us we're not as big as we think we are. It's not about us. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And a lot of commentators and teachers have asked, what are the these? I don't think it matters. Could it have been these fishing boats, these fish that you've just caught, these other disciples? I don't know. But I, I know this. He was looking at Peter and he's saying, do you love me? Again, if you look at this, you see that Jesus uses a word, in the Greek it's agape, which means the most sacrificial, the most giving love you can give. It's the same love that's used in John 3.16 when it says, God so loved the world. And he said, Peter, do you love me like this? And Peter does affirm him. He says, yes, I, I, I phileo you. I, I, phileo is another Greek word for love, which means brotherly love. In other words, you, you recognize that, by the way, from Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. So Peter's saying, Jesus, you, you know I like you a lot. Now, that's like a teenage guy who thinks he's in love, and he says to um, this girlfriend, I love you. And she looks back and says, thank you. Not really, because Peter did uh, affirm that. He said, yes, I love you. And so he said to him a second time, uh, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you agape me? And he said, yeah, Lord, you know I phileo you. I love you. He said, tend my sheep. Then he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you phileo me? He said, Lord, you know everything. <laughs> I think he received that and said, yeah, you know everything about me, don't you? You knew I'd deny you. You knew I'm quibbling over the words here. You knew I'm still scared. Yeah, Lord, I love you. Well, what's Jesus doing there? I think he wants us to know that when he has a big work for us, when he wants us to get out of the mud, when he wants to use us for his glory, he's willing to meet us where we are. To take us where he wants us to be. So Jesus is challenging him. 
He's confronting his priorities, just like he confronts with some of us today. What's the most important thing in your life? Is, is your love for Jesus more than all these other things in your life? Or is it your career? Is it your education? Is it your relationship? Is it your husband or wife? Is it your children? Is, is it the sports that they play or the arts that they perform? Well, what is it that's most important to you? Is it that paycheck? Is that what you're living for? He's confronting his priorities. And he's looking at his practices. He says, I want you to feed my lambs. I want you to tend my sheep. I want you to take care of the flock, Peter. But, but are you willing to do what I want you to do? See, I read yesterday in my Bible reading that Jesus looked at the multitudes and he says, hey, you don't even do what I ask you to do. Just do what I've asked you to do. Are your practices faithful? And then he looked at his passion because that really was the issue. Now, none of this should have surprised Jesus because God's been consistent. As I'm reading through the Bible in Numbers and Deuteronomy, we see that God says to Moses, tell the children of Israel to tie this around their wristlets and to put this on their forehead. This is what the Lord wants of you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then... Pharisees, all these years later, come to Jesus and say, Moses gave us 13,000 laws. What's the most important? And Jesus says, you dummies, it's always been the same thing. Love the Lord your God with all you've got. That's what he was saying to Peter. Peter, I want you to love me with everything you've got. And when Peter affirmed that, he said, you love me? Yeah. Okay, Peter, then just serve me. Do what I created you to do. Get out of the mud. Stop focusing on the mud, Peter. Get back to work. You got a big job. See, God redeems. God reconciles. God restores. That's why this story is so beautiful. This is a picture of God's grace that's available to every sinner who has ever lived. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. And you can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. So how do you come back after you've fallen? After you've turned away from God, how do you make sure like Peter that you can turn back? Number one, you listen for the voice of God. Something happened when Peter began to understand it was Jesus on the shore. He, he left everything that he thought he valued, and he went to Jesus. And just like Elijah heard that still, small voice of God, you can hear from God. Just get into his word. Seek him out in prayer. Seek wise spiritual counsel. Listen to biblical teaching like you're doing right now. Hear the voice of God in your life. Number two, leap out in faith. Don't wait till you've got all the answers. Don't wait till you got it figured out. Don't wait to whether or not you know if your floaties are working before you jump in the water. Get in the water. Leap out in faith. Number three, live your life just to be with Jesus. 
What if the people around you weren't surprised that Jesus was the most important thing in your life? What if they thought you were a little freaky or a little fanatical because you loved Jesus so much? What if they said, I don't know much about that person and I don't know much about their Jesus, but they sure love their Jesus. Live to be with Jesus. Number four, love like you've never loved. Love Jesus like you've never loved. Go all in. Give him all you've got. Love him with your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. How about Peter? How did it all end up? Well, I got bad news and good news. Let me give you the bad news first. He's martyred for his faith like many Christ followers. By the way, like Christians are being martyred around the world today just for standing up for Christ. Tradition records that Peter was crucified, but it also records that he was unwilling to be crucified like Jesus, so he asked that the cross be hung upside down. That's the bad news. But the good news is, before that happened, God used him in a mighty way. He got out of the mud, he dusted himself off, and he went to do that big job that God had in store for him. You see, Peter's usefulness could not be separated from his brokenness. And don't miss this. That's the same for you and me. Our usefulness cannot be separated from our brokenness. Those moments of pain, those difficulties that you walk through, those challenges you face in, God, in life, God is using those for your good and for his glory. You've just got to trust him. A.W. Tozer put it this way, it's doubtful whether God can bless a man greatly until he's hurt him deeply. How are you using the hurt that God has allowed you to experience? Peter, after that breakfast on the Sea of Galilee, he ended up in Jerusalem. He was there with the bunch that watched Jesus ascend to heaven. And the angels, by the way, as, as they were going, what just happened? The angels said to them, hey, men, stop uh, gazing into heaven. And get busy doing what God wants you to do. And they didn't know what God wanted them to do. So they, they just met in that same upper room. Where Jesus had met with them with the bread and the wine. And, and they met in that upper room. And the, and the Bible says that they just prayed together. And they worshiped together. And, and they studied the scriptures together. And, and by the way, that's what we're supposed to be about. If that's, if that's not a part of your life, you don't look like the Christians in the early church. If, you, if you're not gathering together with others regularly and, and worshiping the Lord, singing heartfelt praises to him and, and praying earnestly to him and opening the scriptures and asking him to teach you, that's that's what they did. And as a result of doing what they were supposed to do, the Bible says the Holy Spirit of God began to fall. We call that Pentecost. The Holy Spirit of God began to fall and crazy things began to happen. And Peter said, this, this, this is the moment. And so this man who had denied Christ, he stood up and he began to preach. There were thousands of people there. And he began to preach, and he told them who Jesus was and what he meant to him. And by the way, that's all you've got to do. You don't have to have a seminary training. You don't have to have gone to school. You don't have to serve as a pastor of a church. All God wants you to do is go to your neighbor, go to your child, go to your grandchild, go to your parents, go to your coworkers, and just say, let me tell you who Jesus is and what he means to me. Peter took him all the way back to King David because Peter knew that that story was a story that related to his and then it gets to the end, and it says that Peter said, repent. 
In other words, just like I turned back to Jesus, you've got to turn to Jesus. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because now we know it's not on a special day. It's not at a certain point. But when you begin a relationship with Christ, when you step across the faith line, when you repent of your sin and realize, God, I can't do this on my own. Only because of Jesus can I have a relationship with you. Then the Holy Spirit of God begins to indwell you. And it's not a church building that becomes holy, but your life becomes holy. Your body becomes the temple of God. He says, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off everywhere whom the Lord God calls to himself. And then with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourself from a crooked generation. And by the way, I think that's a fitting word for us today. May we turn to Jesus in this world that seems to be turning away from everything that is of God. And then in verse 41, it says, those who received his word were baptized. And get this. And there were added to that day 3,000 souls. This is from the guy that denied Jesus. This is from the guy that couldn't stand up to a little girl. But on that day, he stood up in the power of the Holy Spirit because he had encountered the love of Jesus. And by his testimony, the testimony of his faith in Jesus, thousands of people began a life-changing relationship with God. But here's the story I want you to understand. Oh, church, the same Jesus who restored Peter, he wants to restore you. The same Jesus that knew the worst but believed in the best possible for Peter. He knows the worst about you, but he knows the job he's got for you. He wants you to get up out of that mud. He wants you to dust off. He wants you to catch the train that he's got waiting for glory for you so that you can do what he wants you to do. And here's what's really cool. Peter went on to serve the church. In fact, we can open the scriptures and we can read his words to the churches. They were scattered. Much like the church has been during this season in our lives. But in 1 Peter chapter 5, and I'd encourage you just to go back and check this out. Listen to some of what he says. He's talking to really the young followers of Christ and how, how do they live for him he says the chief shepherd's going to appear and you'll receive the unfading clown, crown of glory but until that moment clothe yourself all of you with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble it's like he was saying I know what it means to be proud don't do it my way don't think you've got all the answers don't think you've got the power no then he says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he might exalt you. He said, I want you to understand, church. Hey, I, I, I didn't think God could do anything with me. But here I am writing to you. And here we are reading his words even today, 2,000 years later, because God is the God of the comeback story. God is the God who does what we never think he could do. He says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. He's seeking someone to devour, but resist him and be firm in your faith. I didn't do that, Peter would say. I, I gave in in the moment. I didn't resist, but he's after you and your mama too. So watch out for him. Be alert. Beware. He says, you're probably going to suffer a little bit. 
But then he says this. After you've suffered a little while, the God of all grace. Say this. Say, he's a God of all grace. The God of all grace who's called you to his eternal glory in Christ. He himself. Now listen to this. He'll restore you. He'll confirm you. He'll strengthen you. And he'll establish you. To him be the glory and the dominion or the power forever. Here's what I want to ask you today. Are you ready for a comeback? Despite his infamous collapse, which the scriptures record, Peter came back. And so can you. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. And join us weekdays at 9 a.m. for The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis on Faith Talk AM 570 and 910.